So praise God, we've got the Frasers with us this morning, and they're going to come up and give us some exciting testimonies about what's going on at the orphanage and, and what's taking on down there, and then share the word with us, bring down the fire. So y'all come on up. Andrew, come on up. Y'all give them a hand clap. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. We're very excited to be here. We love you guys so much. And uh, we are getting ready for an amazing year this year at Casa Angelina. Uh, it's, it's, we've just had an amazing last year. Uh, some of you might have received the, the emails that we send out there. We had an amazing Christmas there. And, and uh, really, the Lord's been doing amazing things at Casa Angelina, changing the kids' lives more and more. They're all growing up. We've got uh, teenagers and college students, 20-year-olds, heading off to college. And really, it's just a, a miracle, a miracle ground out there. So I'm going to show you a few update uh, pictures. Um, we're going to start with the church, which we're super excited about. March this year, we'll be opening, dedicating the church. Uh, and so we, I got. if you want to just play through those three videos while I talk, you, you've already seen this video, I'm sure. Uh, but look at that on the top of the hill there. Just incredible. Uh, it's a beacon of light for, uh, for the whole community around there. And uh, really, it's just so significant having it up there. It really is a, a stake in the ground for the kingdom of God uh, up there on the top of that hill. Look at that. Isn't it beautiful? Just amazing there. And uh, there's a couple of other clips here. And there's a little other shot. Somebody donated a drone. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so I've been uh, taking some, uh, some really cool shots there. So it's, it, all the windows are up now and they're in and everything. So... Uh, this is just a little bit older footage there, but there's the inside. Uh, again, windows are up, but uh, you get, there's two areas there. It's a children's church area back in that back section there. So it's very, very exciting. And really it is, uh, this is big for the community. It's big for, uh, for us. Uh, it means that we can expand our church our outreaches and, and open this up for the community. And there's a lot of people uh, that, that are going to get saved in that building and discipled and it's, it's beautiful. It's awesome. Okay, the next, uh, next uh, thing I want to report on is the school. The, the, our school building, uh, this is a this is picture a little bit before then, and then after now, uh, we've got that school roof on there now. Now, that's the gymnasium up there in the middle there. Uh, we're going to be putting a big gymnasium in there. And then what that represents as well is this picture here, the classrooms underneath. Currently, the, well, uh, last year, all the boys were having school in, the, in some classrooms in the backs of some of the houses and as we were uh, making this uh, construction work. But now we have uh, three classrooms finished uh, in the bottom level of that school. And so they're all down there in there studying this year, which is just really amazing. And we're going to be finishing that whole thing out this year. And uh, it's very, very exciting. And because education really is it's so important, it's, it's very high on our, on our goals and our list of of you know our our vision for the kids to to educate them, uh, and this so this really represents a lot uh, to be able to expand our school and and to have the facilities uh, to do all that. On the widows, uh, uh, update on the widows. This is an, as a widow that we'll be going to build a house for uh, in February. Her name is Maria del Carmen Tuktuk, and she is around eighty years old. Uh, and she had she had uh, five daughters. One of them died, and, and basically, and then one of her daughters uh, takes care of her. But she's she's also super poor, and so she can't really take care of her as she, as she is. So uh, she's really, and you can see the condition of her home there. And in the next picture, you can see her face a little up closer there. She makes uh, she makes just uh, blankets for a living, but really to make a blanket, and then by the time she's finished with the blanket, you know, weaving it through. It, it takes a long time. It really is not a, a good source of income. So um, she's next on our widow's program list, which is really exciting. Um, we, uh, our, our goal this year is to add uh, another 12 to 15 widows to our program and build houses. And, and uh, we've currently, uh, it's just we're around, around 40 widows at the moment so that we're taking care of. So this is going to be really exciting, really exciting to, to uh, add her to the to the. Uh, to the list of widows that we're taking care of. And the kids take care of them too. They head out there and, and help and, and, you know, as much as we can get the kids involved out in outreach, we're, we're getting them involved uh, helping and taking care and, and all of that delivering food. So, 
Okay, this next uh, photo here, I want to. This is a family that came actually in January last year, and uh, the five of them really came from a, an abusive situation. They, they, their family, their parents were alcoholics, uh, are alcoholics, and would beat the children uh, and just really. Um, they're, they're malnourished. You can see the condition of them. That's when they came. Uh, if you have a look there, I wanted to tell you about Dina. You see her, her eye there. That's, that's the, the day she came. So uh, she'd really been beaten up and abused, and, and that's why they removed the whole family from, the, from, um, from their parents. But really, you know, Casa Angelina is a place of miracles, and she's been having her life completely turned around. The whole family, she didn't speak Spanish either. Just the older girl, and there she, there she is right now. Uh, her name is Dina. And uh, that whole family there, if you have a look at the next picture here, uh, this is their whole family together. And, uh, and now they, and the, the older one was the only one that spoke Spanish. The rest of them had to learn Spanish. They spoke a different dialect of, um, in, in, in Guatemala there. So super cute little, the littlest one, Isabella, she's got a frown on her face there. She's a hard one to crack, but oh, she's so cute and so, you know, when she does smile and everything. So, uh, and next, next one, next story I want to tell you about is, this is Magdalena, and she came to us again last year. Uh, she had been caught up in a, a uh, child trafficking uh, organization, and she was sold to, uh, basically forced to work child labor, forced to work. She's nine years old in that photo right there. And she, look at her hands here. She was, she was forced to work in a tortilla shop from 5 a.m. till 10 p.m. every single day. Uh, she didn't get a break. So that her hands, you can see the, the wornness of her hands uh, and the effect that that would take um, on, on her hands. Her, her thumbs were uh, cut up, had little cuts in them and, and uh, just horrible, horrible. And uh, she was also malnourished, covered in lice, just horrible condition. You can see her picture uh, now. I have two pictures over here. There she is there. Just, it's amazing when she, she, you know, she's free to study. She's so excited to study in school. She's so excited that she got her own bed. Uh, just a precious little girl. And, and she's really, oh, just totally transformed, totally transformed. And it's just uh, all glory to Jesus. And the last, last story I want to tell you about, uh, this is Jose. Jose came to us again last year, and uh, he... He was uh, walking around the streets, no family, no, he did, didn't know where his family was, uh, just been abandoned. Uh, they, they rescued him and brought him to Casa Angelina. Uh, we stood on, oh, he, we didn't know his last name. All we knew was that he said his name was Jose. Uh, and uh, so he, he was in Casa Angelina for, for about uh, six months, and the judge found a relative, found an uncle, and sent him back to live with his uncle. And, and you can see a picture of him. Uh, he, here is him in Casa Angelina. There he is. He's just a great little kid. Um, so after this, after this, the this is six months in, the judge sent him back to live with an uncle. The, the judges, they have pressure on them to try and find family members to, to, uh, to get the kids with. So sent him with an uncle and uh, didn't really do the whole background check into it. Anyway, uh, Jose was really badly beaten uh, by his uncle, really badly to where he, and, and kicked out into the street, uh, bleeding and everything. And he was sent to the hospital. He was there days in the hospital recovering. Um, and then they sent him back to Cus, the judge sent him back to Cus Angelina. This is him uh, today. He just came back again and he's got scars on his face and, and everything. It's a horrible situation. And uh, so we're just really praying over him, uh, you know, as he went back into a bit of regression there and, and when he came back again. But, you know, God, God is a miracle-working God, and we're just going to pray and believe for him, for his life to change and for his life to just uh, flourish and, and grow and be protected and safe. And, uh, and also praying over the, the judges that they would make the wise calls and make the wise decisions. And because um, that part of it's not in our hands, you know, we, we can't do anything about that, but but praise the Lord that, that he's here again and, and uh, with us. And, and uh, we're just going to be pouring in love into that, to that boy. And, and uh, so I just wanted to leave you those, those uh, praise reports and those amazing things that are happening. Really, God is doing miracles. He's doing miracles. It's so exciting, uh, all that he's doing. And uh, so we just want to thank you all for all of your support. And, and we're in this together, doing this together. 
uh, this work we can't do by ourselves. It's, it's, it's a joint effort. And, and the, the seeds that you guys are sowing into them, the church, the, the support, every, all the kids, it's, it's our joint reward in, in helping these children really change Guatemala, change the world, change the world for Jesus, and um, bring all the glory to God. Amen? Amen. Bethany, could I, you come up? Why don't you give her a hand as she comes up? Thank you. We have a little over, we have 137 right now. Mm-hmm. 137 kids there and um, getting more all the time, all the time this year. Not that you want to be excited that you're getting more children, right? But at the same time, reality is reality and what they're going through is real. And it, the, right? Pure and undefiled religion before the Father is this, caring for orphans and widows. And we will always have orphans and widows. And it is pure and undefiled because caring for orphans and widows cleans your own soul because they can never give you anything back. So it is the purest of all forms of worship because it is what Jesus did for us in laying down his life and pouring out and giving to us. And so then we, when we act like Jesus, we become cleaner. We just get scrubbed on the inside. It's hard to scrub your insides because a lot of good things we do, we do for a reason. It's just the fact of life. We do it because it makes us feel good to do it. It makes us feel better to do it. It, it is right. And when we do wrong, we feel badly. And when we do right, we feel good. About who? Ourselves. So, but when you do good for someone else, that and you don't see an immediate change in your own life, you're just doing it for them, you're scrubbing the inside of the cup and not just the outside of the cup. And that is the heart of what matters, and that is the heart, I believe, of this church. That is the heart of Living Waters Church, is to give out, to be a water hole for those who need it, to be a place where people can come, to be those who are giving out. And the beautiful thing about this church and what I woke up this morning, just over and over in my mind, just thinking about is, man, this is a church. This is a church that is supposed to touch the world. You are literally touching the world. You are literally touching the world. Your church literally gives tithes and offerings to widows and orphans and the poor. It is not something that your pastors read or your pastor reads and says this is a good thing to do and you should do this and then doesn't do it. Many of you have been to Casa Angelina, have seen. We come every year and tell you about it. You have pictures on the walls. You are connected. And what, what the, the mandate on the house here is to reach the world. It's actually supposed to be the mandate on every house of God all over the world. But it isn't. It isn't. There are multiple churches that we go to, and they give nothing to missions. They don't even have a missions budget at the church at the church, because they have too many programs for themselves and not enough going out. And I'm not knocking programs for yourselves. All I'm saying is to scrub the inside of the cup is a harder thing to do. It's easier to clean the outside, and it's hard to get on the inside. It takes more time, and it takes more diligence. And I just want to, you know, Andrew thanked you all already, but honestly, it's powerful what you guys are doing being a part of people's lives who many of you don't know and may never meet. But by your faithfulness in giving to the house of God, you're giving to a house who gives and takes care of orphans and widows and the poor. And God is providing more and more and more. You know, 2019 is, is going to be an incredible year. Look what's happening already with your church. I love the plan. I love the plan. The plan is awesome because what it's doing is making everybody get down again to the roots of what is the most important thing, reading the word of God, which is our sword in battle, right? But the enemy loves to make us feel like we're not in a battle. This is just life. Life has ups and downs. This is normal. Everybody goes through these things. Because if we forget that we're in a battle, we stop fighting and we get complacent. And we step back and we just, oh, this is just normal. This is how life goes. Everybody goes through these things. This is da, 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 da. And we lose our confession of faith 
And if we lose our confession of faith, we lose that battle-ready attitude that is taking ground. When you're fighting a battle, the object is to take ground away from the enemy. When you are just living in the camp, you're just living in the camp. You're doing nothing for the kingdom except just occupying the ground that you already won. But God is saying there is way more ground to be occupied. The enemy still has many hearts, many lives. He has many people in confusion. There are many people hurting and suffering. There is a ton of pain in the world. And we cannot fall into the category of Christians who just think of my foreign no more. And inside these walls, we are good. We have got to know that we are battling for other souls. We're battling for other people. The call on the house is that we come together on a Sunday. We get built up in our faith. We get built up in the word. And then we take it out to all of our different corners of life and spheres of influence. And if you do not think you have a sphere of influence, that's impossible if you are alive. Somebody knows you. And the truth is they probably know a lot of the bad things about you, right? And so you go, well, that whole sphere is like, you know, I can't do anything there. I need like a whole new group of people <laughs> that I can just like be a new me with, right? Have you never had that thought? Okay. I've had that thought a multi. Can I just have a whole new group and do that whole thing again? <laughs> but the truth is that, that every single one of us does have a sphere of influence and in people that we touch. And it isn't that everybody, you know, it shouldn't be a scary thing. This is the beauty, and this is the word God gave me today, but it shouldn't be a scary thing to be the light in the world and to influence people and to touch people's lives because God doesn't want you to be anybody else. He just wants you to be you. And if you are you, he will use you the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you act. Everything that you give him, that is what he will use to influence and touch all those people around you because he doesn't need you to be anybody else or he would have put somebody else there. I just want to ask you, would you put your hand just on your heart this morning and, and, and I'll say the words first and then if you agree, repeat it because I don't want you just repeating it just because. The words are, God wants to use me to change this world. Just one more time, because the first time is not really conviction, you know? God wants to use me to change this world. That's the truth. God wants you to be part of your own miracle story. If you are waiting for someone else to come and rescue you and help you and save you and give you the wisdom and do the things, you could be waiting forever. When you are actually present right there, made in the image of God, with eyes and ears and a brain and a heart that can read the word and understand the word and get revelation. God is no respecter of persons. There is no reason he cannot give you the same revelation that he gives your favorite preacher. It's right, sitting right there. So <laughs> There's no reason he cannot give you the answer you need for absolutely any situation that is coming up in your life. I was, I was praying a few months ago about, I was just praying, and I was talking to God about his favorite things. And I was like, what's your favorite this? And what's your favorite that? Like, right? Just trying to do that kind of thing. Anyway, some things I got answers to, but some things weren't relevant. You know, like, what's your favorite food? Doesn't really matter. So we were talking, and, and I, was saying, what, I was saying, what's your favorite miracle? That was my, one of my questions. I was like, and you might, yeah, I... Okay, maybe I sound a little crazy to some people, but this is, was a good conversation, okay? And I was like, what's your favorite miracle? And so clearly, one of those, you know, you, you feel God and you can hear him speak to you on the inside, and then sometimes you hear almost like a voice audible to you, right? But I felt it like a shout at me. And I said, what's your favorite miracle? And he said, you. He said, mankind is my favorite miracle. And I was like, ugh. I didn't expect that answer. So I was thinking like through all the miracles, you know, before I asked it. And then when he said you, and I was like, oh my gosh, we are God's favorite miracle. Him winning us back, that reconciliation, that moment for him was the greatest miracle of all. And when we accept that, and when we give that to him, and when we acknowledge who we are for God, it creates in us the possibility for God to truly work 
miracles because we realize that we are part of the greatest miracle ever. And that in God's eyes, we are his greatest accomplishment. You and I are his greatest accomplishment. We are his biggest miracle. And I don't know if you have ever met a perfect person, but I have not. So, except for your pastor, right? I got to keep saying that, don't I? Like every, the whole service, I got to just keep reaching out. <laughs> but I, which means that God knew our imperfections while yet choosing us to be his greatest, greatest, greatest showing of glory ever. It wasn't the parting of the Red Sea. It wasn't the fleece. It wasn't all the, all the many, many miracles we read about that are meant to encourage us that God can do anything. They're meant to encourage us that God can do anything with us, right? God will use me. God will use me to do a miracle in this earth. God has chosen me to change this world. God has chosen you because to him, when he looks at you, he's looking at his greatest accomplishment. And for us, it is so hard to see ourselves in that way, right? That is a hard one to see. And it made me emotional the day when he said it to me because I felt like, oh, gosh, well, I didn't even put myself anywhere on the list when I was thinking of all the miracles. How far am I away from seeing myself the way God sees me? And if I can see myself the way God sees me, well, then anything is possible. Anything is possible. That he would use this flesh and he would use these bones to do something that's supernatural in the world, in Utopia, in Uvalde, in all the places. You know all the places around here that I don't know, but I drive through them and they're so beautiful. But I don't know them all. But no matter what 2018 was like, in 2019, we know because of the word, Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has plans and thoughts towards you and your future and your life that are good. Plans to give you a future and plans to give you hope, right, in that future. So that's already guaranteed that no matter all the mistakes you made coming up and leading up to today, what is this, February 3rd, 2019, that God still has a future and a hope for you and that it isn't too late yet. It's never too late to change those areas of our lives that we know we need to change, to surrender different parts of our life that we know we need to surrender, to decide that we are miracles ourselves and that anything is possible with our life and that we don't need anybody else to tell us it's possible except for the Holy Spirit, that we don't need seven people to witness and confirm the word. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like when he speaks something to you, and then you go, well, I'm just going to wait for confirmation on that. But it's like written there word for word. You know, like you are a light unto the word. Don't hide your light under a bush. And you're like, well, I need some confirmation about that. I'm not sure that I should talk to anybody about Jesus. Right? And you're just waiting for that confirmation, and it doesn't come. Oh, I guess that's, you know, God didn't really want me to do that. No, some things are really obvious, you know. Yes, there are confirmation moments. But a lot of things are pretty well written. They're pretty clear, you know, what to leave behind, what to hold on to, what to pursue, who to love first, who to love next. It's all pretty clear. And all the other things that get so confusing and that can be so confusing in the Bible, you know, he, he really simplifies and simplifies and simplifies and simplifies and simplifies, you know. If you can just love me, he says, if you can just love me, you're going to end up doing all the rest of that. If you can just learn to love me, because love is unselfish. Love is pouring out. Love is kind. Love is generous. And I want to ask you, how many of you, if you think about 2018 and this last year, you can really think about testimony, something God did in your life in 2018. Can you raise your hand if God did anything in your life in 2018? Something you can think of. That's pretty much almost everybody in the room that can think of something God did for them in 2018, which means this room is filled with testimonies of the power of God. And that power can be multiplied. God takes us from one thing to the next to the next. 
He does, he's not a God who likes to go backwards. Why go backwards? Remember, there's more ground to take. There's more ground to take. You, we aren't stuck in the miracles of yesterday. We're not stuck in the revelations of 10 years ago. We actually are supposed to build on those things, not forget them, but build on them and take them with us and keep going forward and keep taking new ground. Just even thinking about those stories of the kids you just heard this morning, that is real. That's really going on. That little boy, Jose, was just brought back to us this week. And he was beaten up so badly when they found him in the alleyway, they couldn't recognize him. Nobody knew who he was. It took a week in the hospital before they could even identify him. He is six years old. That's a real thing that's happening today. That's a real child who was just rescued and brought in like that. And the, the amazing and somewhat humanly overwhelming thing to think about is that that's one story we know about, but God knows about all the stories. He knows about the people in this community who are going through domestic abuse and violence. He knows about the children in the next community over who have to deal with abuse and violence. He knows what's going on here in every house around us. And then he looks and he has us. He had, this is a lot of people. This is a lot of people that can change those things by just being available to God. Just being available to be used. God, you can use me to make a miracle happen for somebody. It's being willing to be used when God puts it on our heart to do so. Amen? Okay, would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, please? Scream it out, holler it out, whoop, whoop, all the things. All the other things. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your word. This, um, this message is entitled, All the Broken Pieces. And I'm only going to preach a small portion of it, the portion I really felt like he put on my heart today. And this is Matthew 14, verse 18. And he said, Jesus is talking here, and he says, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to recline on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and blessed and broke the loaves and handed the pieces to the disciples. Pause. So he blessed and he broke the loaves and handed the pieces to the disciples, right? There are many people who preach on just this part. This is God blessing and giving revelation, and you're sharing the revelation with other people. This is God blessing and breaking us, and we're being shared to the rest of the people. Whichever way you look at it, what we know is that it's something in the hands of God first, and it's blessed, and then it's given, right? That's what we know. And then he says, and the disciples gave these things to the people, gave it to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up 12 small baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And when I read it, the last time I read this, when God gave me this, this word about all the broken pieces, he just said to me, you know, he, we, I was asking why pick up all the broken pieces. And there were many, because those are the pieces that obviously were discarded by everybody else. So these are the pieces that nobody wanted. After they ate their fill, they were totally filled. They were happy and contented, and then they left the leftover pieces that nobody wanted. So they weren't big chunks that someone could have put in their pocket because you know people. People, people are hungry all the time. This is true. People got snacks, gum, mints, something all the time. So if it was an actual chunk that somebody wanted, they would have put that in a little bag, put that in their satchel, wrapped it up, taken it with them. But they ate and they were satisfied and filled to their full, and then the leftover pieces that nobody wanted were left and discarded. But Jesus, being Jesus, says to the disciples, now go and collect and gather together all the broken pieces and bring them to me. And all those little pieces came together to be 12 baskets full of bread. 12 baskets full. That is incredible. All the pieces that everyone else discarded. All the things that nobody else wanted. I 
I live with 137 children who feel like all the broken pieces. Their whole life, they've been told, right, that they were not needed. But so have many of us. How many people in your life have passed through your life and instead of praising you or instead of giving to you or instead of loving you or instead of admiring you or instead of lifting you up, they tore you down. They tore you up. They discarded you. They didn't listen to your advice. They didn't take what you had to give. They treated you like it wasn't important and like it doesn't matter. Those things break us. They chip pieces off in our life. And as we go through life and over time, so many pieces just get chipped and chipped and chipped and chipped and chipped. And we say, oh, that piece is broken. That piece was hurt. That piece was damaged. And we don't even look to that piece of ourselves anymore or of our lives as a way that God can use to benefit or bless anybody because that's a broken part. That's a hurt part. That's a damaged part. And when I read this, I... I couldn't help but think of all the broken pieces that are surrounding me. All the broken pieces, all the children that we live with, the widows that we live with, this, the 58 staff members we have who are all broken pieces, who don't even know that they can be healed until they start working at Casa Angelina. And then one by one, their stories start coming out. It's like everybody's an orphan. Just everybody, everybody is. All of us have an orphan spirit, in one way or another, that Jesus is coming in to reconcile that part of us to God. And I was, 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people. Nothing that we give to God goes wasted. Nothing. And I feel like one of the biggest lessons we have to learn from Jesus in this moment is that he said, I took the loaf, I broke it, I gave it to you, you decided what you wanted, and then I want all the rest. That's Jesus. Woo, I love him. That's Jesus. You take from, what it, from it what you want all the time. We take from this what we want all the time. All the time. This is actually enough for every situation. But there are multiple pieces that we discard. We just do. We're just like, ooh, I really like this. I need this right now. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. But there's so much we're missing, and we know it. But, but God stands there, and he looks at our life, and he looks at your life, and he says, you've done the most with it that you can. When are you going to just look at me and say, now take all the broken pieces, and let me make you into something new? We work our hardest to do the best we can with what we have and to obey God, or to walk in his plan, or not to. Maybe you feel very weak in a lot of areas, and it's hard to follow through. But wherever you stand in that whole thing, there is one thing that remains constant for every one of us, and that is that God wants every part of us. God wants all the work and the amazing things you've done with yourself and obeying him and all the things, but he wants all the broken pieces. Because all of our work, all of our work, in one way or another, glorifies us to some extent until we get to the broken pieces. And then those are the pieces of our lives that we know we can do nothing with without God. And the minute that we give him all the brokenness, all the failures, all the weaknesses, then that part of our life becomes glory. That part becomes the glory. That part becomes the part that God uses to make something that shows the world, I do not choose those that you would choose, right? I choose the ones that you have discarded. I choose the ones that nobody wants anymore. And through them, I'm going to show my power. And through them, I'm going to show my glory. And through them, I'm going to do miracles. And through that little boy, that little girl, that old man, that old lady, that crippled person, I'm going to heal other people because they gave me all the broken pieces of their life. And so nothing will glorify 
them in what I do. It will just glorify me. People, I've, the, people cannot relate to your perfection. They can only relate to your brokenness. The more perfect you are to everyone, the less people you're actually helping. But the more people you can talk to and say, man, that is tough. I know what that feels like. Or if you don't know what it feels like, man, that would be tough where you're at right now. I'm, I need, um, let me pray with you. But if you're looking at a broken person and you're saying, oh, well, you just shouldn't have da 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 da, -da. You know, if you would only da 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 that is the opposite of what they need to hear in the moment. Because nobody can relate to your perfection. They can only relate to your brokenness. And why did Jesus break the loaves? And why was Jesus broken for us? Why do we break the bread of communion at the beginning when we take communion? Why do we tear it off? We are showing that Jesus was broken for us, that he gave that part of his life to us. And in pieces, in pieces, yet I feel like our whole life is about fixing ourselves, making ourselves as less broken as possible. And yet God is saying, you're working really hard for something that's super easy for me. <laughs> super easy for me to do. I don't need you to show me all of your perfection. I need you to be broken in front of me. And I will make you whole. And I will fix you. And I will heal you. And I will sew you back together. And it will bring glory to me. Which is really what you want in the first place, right? That's what we want. We in ourselves, actually, no, we're not able to do it. But God comes in, and man, he, when he swoops in, he swoops in, right? But I just want to say, you know, the word is filled with a lot of broken people. Um, Abraham waited for a long time for a miracle, didn't he? We know that. He's our, the father of our faith. He waited a long time for a miracle. And Sarah, we know, what do we know about Sarah? I mean, Sarah waited a long time, but what we know about Sarah is that she laughed and she doubted, right? That's all we get is the laughed and doubted. But imagine what would have felt like. She waited basically 100 years for a child, so that's longer than any of you will ever have to wait for anything. And she, she had, you know, and, but imagine the first time she felt the baby kick. What would that have been like? The first time she felt movement, and she's like, oh, my gosh, either I'm sick and I shouldn't have eaten, you know, that lamb last night or whatever, or this is something happening. Like, serious. And then Noah. Okay, he waited 75 years for rain. Have you ever been faithful in anything instead for 75 years? With everybody you know persecuting you? Everybody you know. Everybody. In the whole entire world of existence persecuting you. In 75 years, you do the same thing in and out. And for 75 years, they tell you, you're crazy. You, we have actually no biblical documentation that it rained before that day. We have documentation that God watered the earth in various ways. Streams came up. There was mist. There was atmospheric. There was all sorts of stuff. But there's no actual documentation, and a lot of theologians believe it never rained until that day. So then he looked extra crazy. Rain's going to fall from the sky and drown everybody unless you get on my boat. Right? The first boat that, I mean, what is, the, 75 years of being called crazy and standing in faith for a promise. Standing in faith for a promise. But who was a part of that miracle? Noah was a part of his own miracle story. Sarah and Abraham were part of their own miracle story. Martha, with the story of Lazarus, when he's, he's buried in, in the tomb in John chapter 11, and, at, and he's dead, and Jesus says, roll away the stone, and Martha argues with Jesus. And she's like, wait, wait, wait. Don't roll away the stone because he's been dead days. This is going to stink. This is going to be embarrassing. You don't want to do this, Jesus, right? And maybe in her mind, she was being caring and thoughtful and kind. But Jesus rebuked her and said in the moment, haven't I already told you? that if you would believe in me, you would see the glory of God. That was his response to her very natural way of approaching the situation. And Jesus is like, haven't I already told you if you just believed in me, then you will see all the glory of God? And these are very human people. 
This, the Bible is filled with many, many human people that are just like you and I. And they're the people that God used. Moses was a murderer. David, please, an adulterer. A many, many, many things. God, Paul was Saul, and that was crazy enough. He was there at the stoning of Stephen. He was there for many things, and it says he condoned it all, and he agreed. And then later, he's the one to reach so many, so many nations and people for God. But even though he lived, I, I always think about this with Paul. This is just a side note. But have you ever thought about the fact that Paul lived when Jesus was around and never loved him or served him? And then later, how much he loved him? And, and that regret, really, of being like, man, I, I was right there. And he was in the flesh in front of me. How many times have you just wanted to like be in the flesh with Jesus, right? Just, a, just give me five minutes. Just give me one minute. I'll take whatever minutes I can get. But then Paul was there in the flesh and never, ever took advantage of it. He didn't know because he was so blinded by his own self-righteousness that he could not see the miracle in front of him. And he was so perfect in his own eyes until what? God took away his sight completely and said, you are broken and you have nothing without me. John 15, unless you are abide in the vine, you can accomplish nothing. Unless you are connected to me, unless you give me every piece of yourself, you can accomplish nothing. Nothing. And that is the message of the word, that God wants to use you and I. But we fight. If, if, will you turn to Romans chapter 9? Romans chapter 9, we fight with God a lot about whether or not he can use us and what he can use us for. And I was reading um, in Romans chapter 9, verses 20, verse 20, it says, But who are you, a mere man, to criticize and contradict and answer back to God? Isn't that awesome? That alone is just great. What, will what is formed say to him that formed it, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay? to make out of the same mass one vessel for beauty and distinction and one for honorable use and another for menial or dishonorable use, even including ourselves, whom he has called, not only from among the Jews, but also from among the Gentiles, the heathen. And it's it, what the word is literally saying here in verse 20, we'll go back. But who are you, a mere man, to criticize and answer back to God? Why are you fighting with God, saying, why did you make me like this? Why are you looking at all the other vessels and saying, if I just was like that, if my personality was a bit more like that, if I just had been born in that family or in that place or with that money or with those people or with that thing or in that time, I really could have done something for you. And he's saying, who are you, a mere man, to look at the creator of all things and say, man, you messed up with me just a little bit. You might do that with your nose or your head or, you know, whatever. Just, if God, if you just give me a little bit of something different there, I could have really worked it well. Just really worked it well. Or if you'd give me that metabolism, I would have used it for your glory. Come on. I don't know if you prayed that one. Um, but yeah. <laughs> if you had made me a little taller, give me, yeah, all those things. The point is that, that really we, we fight and argue with God. And really that is a is a way that the enemy wants to keep you in the same place all the time. And God is saying, there's more ground to take. And if you will let me use you, and if you will let me use all the broken pieces that you have discarded, that others have discarded, then I will make you into a vessel that is honestly used for honorable things. And I want to show you this picture. The first picture is of, it should be of just a white bowl. And if you can just leave it on the white bowl. Yeah. This is a pottery bowl, right? Just a white bowl of pottery. And I really felt when I, when I was studying about all the broken pieces, it led me to some incredible places. And, um, but I felt like this is how everybody feels like they need to look. We're constantly cleaning, our, you know, clean me, Jesus, clean me, Jesus, clean the insides, clean the outsides, make me a vessel. Make, this is something that obviously anybody could fill with anything and put anything in. But it isn't the way... It, it's, it's basically very hard to be human and to look like this. Really hard. And I discovered this Japanese art form. It's called kintsugi. 
And basically what that does is they have created an art form around all the broken pieces of pottery. They take the bowls that used to look like this, and when one gets broken or destroyed, their art form is literally repairing the damage and the breakage and creating out of that one thing now something that looks incredible, that looks like art, that looks beautiful. So they take the broken pieces and they repair it, not trying to disguise that it was ever broken, but trying to show the history of what happened, right? This is a piece of that. This is one of those bowls filled with gold, every little crack, every little break. That is humanity. We're constantly trying to be that white, perfect bull. And God is saying, I don't need you to be a white, perfect bull. I need you to just give me all the pieces. Just give me all the pieces. That is, how much more beautiful is that bull with the gold lacquer in all of that? Our lives run through with the blood of Jesus over every single broken piece, over every memory and over every failure and over every hardship runs the blood of Jesus to repair and then to bring everything back together again so that we never have to be that first bull. Jesus is the only one who will ever do that. From that point on, all we have is us trying to make it on our own or us surrendering to Jesus and letting him take all the pieces and make us into something that honestly is now a highly paid-for art form in Japan. They want all the broken pottery now instead of all the perfectly made ones. Isn't that crazy? But all it took was one person saying, I see beauty in that brokenness. But Jesus is saying to us all the time, I see beauty in that brokenness. I see possibility in all of your brokenness. Because with me, it doesn't look broken anymore. When the blood of Jesus just pours over that, I make you a bride without spot and without blemish. And I make you into something that can bring me glory. Your life can bring me glory. This next picture is a picture, it should be, a picture of Maria Poo and her son, the first day they came. This is, one of, this is the very first day. She is 13 years old in that photo. And that is her son. He is eight months old. And she's a tiny, tiny, tiny little thing when Maria first came. And when I was studying this, I kept thinking about her story over and over again. And I want to share it with you before we pray and before we minister today. Yeah, is everybody good? We're all together still? Um, Maria came to us at 13 with an eight-month-old. And basically, her life, what she can remember from the age of two, she was being sold to men from the age of two. All her life, her grandmother sold her into uh, sex trafficking and slavery, basically. And she would lock her in a room, and her, mom, her grandma would say she's going to the store, but really um, men would come every day into the room. So they would do what they could as she grew older and um, continued to abuse her her whole life. She honestly does, she has no number or count of how many men there were. She remembers sometimes it was every day, for months and months and months. Sometimes it was multiple in a day. She can't even remember. Nobody explained anything to her of what was going on. Nobody talked to her about it. She told her grandma, do you know this is happening to me? Her grandma was silent. Or she would beat her for talking to her about it. She told her dad what was happening. He called her a liar. They were making money off of her, and she grew up like that. When she was 10 years old, she was taken away from her grandma and went to live with her dad. Her dad said he wanted her to live with him because he wanted her to start working in another way. And he started to put her to work in the fields and other things. And she was raped multiple times there. Her own biological brother raped her in her dad's house. Her, the husband of her sister raped her there. A neighbor came and raped her, and at the age of 12, she started growing. And she was pregnant, and... When her dad found out she was pregnant, he beat her very badly, again saying that it was all her fault. She's, Maria is literally not, she's not even five feet tall. She's very, very small, and she took crazy amounts of abuse. The day finally came to have the baby. She didn't have anybody to do it with. She, she just started, water started coming out. Her water broke, basically, and she started bleeding, and she was in a lot of pain, so she figured maybe I'll go to the doctor. 
So she went to the doctor, and when she got to the hospital, they see a little 12-year-old, little 12-year-old girl coming in fully pregnant, and they, that was what alerted them to the fact that something was wrong. But she ended up having to have a C-section, and she woke all by herself in the hospital at 12 years old. And she woke up in the hospital bed, and she had, didn't know what had happened because they'd put her out with a medication. And she woke up in the hospital bed, and she's looking around. And in Guatemala, you don't get private rooms. You're in a room with all the other mothers who've had babies. And dads aren't allowed in there or anything. It's not anything like America where it's like, you know, yay, and moments and pictures and candles, and everyone looks like perfectly makeuped all the time. It's not like that. So it's like 10 to 15 women in one room, and everybody's in labor at the same time, and you're not allowed a support person. You just have nurses and doctors running in between everybody. So she's in there. She was put in there, and she felt so thirsty. So she tried to stand up, not knowing anything that had happened. She tried to stand up, but the lady next to her spilt her glass of water. So when Maria stood up, she slipped on the water and fell and opened the whole operation again. And she remembers hearing the nurses as they were running over to her because she's, it was graphic. And so she was, the nurses are running over and they're saying, how is she alive? How is she alive? No one could live through this pain. No one could live through this pain. And she just remembers feeling unbelievable amounts of pain and like blacking in and out. And then she finally went out. And she woke up again the next day, and they had re-sewn her and everything. And they sent her home that same day. She gets home. This is a crazy story, but this is one of 135 stories. But she's, I'll tell you why I thought of her when I think of this. She, all of this reasons, right? But she, um, she went home, and she was, um, got infected within the first 24 hours and was bleeding and infected. She didn't know how to change anything or stitches. I mean, nothing. And her dad told her the day she got home, you're going to start working tomorrow, put that baby on your back, and you're going to start working tomorrow because if you won't eat if you don't work. And so this is now two days out, not even because she was had the operation then got re-sewn the next day and then is working the next day. And she was pushing a wheelbarrow full of stuff that she had to go sell on the street, and she had her baby tied to her back, which she doesn't even know what to do with. And she's crossing the street, and she just remembers feeling. When she tells this story, it's so powerful. But she just remembers feeling like everything was broken, obviously. Everything was broken. And like there was no point to life anymore. What is the point of life if it is only suffering, right? And she knew she just felt like there was no way she could do it another day. She couldn't do this another day. And she went out into the street. And as she was walking, pushing her thing and thinking all these thoughts, she, she just looked up because she heard the honking of a car. And one of those big Guatemalan buses, we call them chicken buses, was almost at her. And the street was four lanes, and she was only crossing the first lane. And there, was no, there were no people around. She was by herself in the field. And she hears the, the bus coming. And also, the last thing she remembers thinking was, this is it, finally the suffering's going to be over. And she said she just closes her eyes and thinks, this is it. And, when, and she feels this whoosh this, and a push, like a huge push from behind her. And she hears like the sound of air go like whoosh, like that. And she opens her eyes, and her and the baby and the wheelbarrow are on the other side of the four lanes, stand, standing on the side of the road on the, four, on the other side of the four lanes. And the bus is passing her, passing right where she had been standing. And in that moment, she just said, oh, my gosh, that was God. I mean, there's no doubt that it wasn't an angel and it wasn't God that literally transported her over to the other side of the highway. And that's when she went to the police and told them everything that happened to her. And she was sent to Casangelina. This was her very first day. And this very broken girl who came who would not smile and did not like being a mom is now this beautiful 19-year-old mom in the next photo. Ah, who just makes me cry because she's so beautiful. But she had her birthday this week and turned 19. And she was never given the privilege of going to school or studying or any of that. So she started when she came to Casa Angelina at 12. And she has three this year and two years more, and she will graduate. And um, she made up four years of school in one year to try to get herself back on track and being able to learn. She is so dedicated. And now she is writing her whole testimony in a book. That's her birthday this last week, and that's her son there in front of her with the orange balloon. And she is writing her whole testimony in a book. And she always says to me, 
the most powerful thing that I have to give the world is all of my brokenness. Because now, in the hands of God, right, that is my greatest testimony that shows the glory of God. And each one of us are the same. Each one of us are the same. We don't need to work so hard to get ourselves right on our own. We need to give everything to God. And we need to say, God, I want to be a part of my own miracle story, and I want to be a part of the miracles you want to do in other people's lives. Because whatever of me you can use, I'll let you use it. And if you would just stand with me this morning, and if I could ask Miss Laura to play the piano for me just for a moment. I want to read one verse over everybody this morning. As we just pray about this, when he, you know, you are God's biggest miracle. You are his biggest miracle, exactly the way that you are. That's who he needs, and that's who he wants to change this world. Churches are not filled with perfect, perfect people. Churches are filled with broken people who have given their brokenness to a Savior. And then that Savior washes over all the brokenness with the blood of Jesus. And then he makes us into something totally brand new. And if Maria, with her story, can say that to God, take all of this, use all of this, we can say that to God. Maybe some of you have experienced parts of her story or know people who have experienced parts of her story. But the first, 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 most important thing is always in everything to give your life to God first. And I want to ask you to close your eyes if everyone will close their eyes this morning. And before we do anything else, if you do not have peace in your heart that 100% you know that if you were to die today that you would go to heaven, I don't want you to leave without that peace because everything else that God has for you comes after Jesus. Jesus is first. Getting that relationship right with Jesus is first. And if you don't have that relationship right, welcome to all the rest of us too. We didn't have it right either until we said yes to Jesus. But Jesus is the door that we walk through to the rest of the promises. And you should not leave here today without that peace in your soul. Without that peace of knowing that you know that you know that you would go to heaven. You know you would go to heaven because, not because you're righteous or because you've done the right things, but because you said yes to Jesus. And Jesus this morning is calling everybody. So I want to ask you, while all heads are bowed, I want to ask you if you want to ask Jesus in your heart this morning and you want to say yes to him, that you would raise your hand where I can see it. Just where I can see it. I see that hand. 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 You don't want to leave today without saying yes to Jesus first because Jesus is the one who heals the best. And I want to ask you right now, everybody else, if everybody would lift their hands, including those ones who lifted their hands right now, we're going to pray together. We're just going to say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. And I ask you to take all the broken pieces and to just pour your blood over every part of my life, over every part of my past. I need a savior and I repent for all my disobedience and I repent for not loving you. From this day forward, I will live with a savior. I will live for a purpose and I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everyone who raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, you're starting over now into being remade and reformed, reformed by God. And this is the verse I want to read over you before we pray because I want to take, I don't know what time it is. Ooh, okay, I want to take...
one moment, I can do it fast. Do I, can I go just a tiny? Pray? Okay. I got the hmm. And the Super Bowl doesn't start till later. So you're all okay. You'll be even hungrier then. <laughs> it won't take forever. But honestly, I preached this, in, I preached this one other time in a church. And, and at the end, I just felt like God was saying, pray for people's brokenness. And not just like, I'm a broken person. But the situations in your life that have been broken, that need that supernatural touch on them. Whether that's people, children, finances, marriages, life, job, work, those areas of life that have been broken. And just pray in faith, touching the people, that those areas are going to get a supernatural healing. A supernatural healing to each one of those broken areas. And I made that altar call at the last church, and the entire church came forward. So I was like, that's obviously the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I was like, what do you want me to do this morning? What do you want us to do? And he said, do the same thing. So all I kept hearing, literally for three days, every day, I woke up in the middle of the night two nights ago. I had this going through my head over and over and over again. Sunday is a day for miracles. Sunday is a day for miracles. So I believe God wants to do something with all those areas of our life that we know we need that supernatural touch of God on that area. We have done our best. We have tried, but we've reached a point where we know it takes God <laughs> to do it, to get it done, to heal it, to deliver it, whatever it is in that situation in your life that you need. And I want to read this verse, and then I want to ask you to come forward. And, and I'm going to come fast, but I'm just going to lay hands. Boom, 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 boom. And, it, and you coming forward and me laying hands is not the magic recipe. The recipe is that when you move out of your chair, you're taking a step of faith. When you come to the altar, you're taking a step of faith. And it doesn't need me to stand for three minutes with every person. But when two or more gather together in agreement, and I have faith for your miracle today. So when I touch your hand or when I lay hands on you, I am believing for your miracle, miracles that I have seen happen countless times, countless times, not just in the children of Guatemala, but in many churches across, across the world. I had a lady come up because she couldn't sell her house and it felt like a brokenness to her. Years. I just went back and I just got the testimony letter, my house sold the next month done. All the debt is lifted. Now I'm free to pursue this and this and this. I open my job. I open my business. All the things. I, I don't even need to know what it is because you coming forward is you giving it to God. And I'm just agreeing with you. And then miracles and miracles and more miracles are going to come out of living waters. Because God has plans that are good for you. And he wants you to be used in your own miracle story. Amen? So this is it. Colossians 3.10. Now I have clothed you with your new spiritual self, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded into a more perfect knowledge after the image of who created you. In this new creation, I'm reading the Amplified here, verse 11. In this new creation, all distinctions vanish. All distinctions vanish. There is no room for, and there can never be, Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, nor difference between nations, whether alien, barbarian, or Scythians, you who are the most savage of everyone, nor are there slaves or free men, but Christ is all and is in all. He is everything and everywhere to all men without distinction of person. This is your promise and my promise that God is able to do it and he will do it for you. He does not play favorites. He does not play favorites. Christ is all. He is in all. He is everything and everywhere. And he is able to do it. Amen? So if you know that's you and you want that prayer and you want me to agree with you and pass by and agree with you, will you come forward this morning, please? And as you come forward, just stretch from one side to the other. And I did promise I will not take a long time. I am just going to agree with you in faith. And Andrew and the kids, you can come forward. You can help me with a minute here. But and make two lines. Maybe come forward, just leaving enough space for us to pass by so that we can have a second line. Because I, I'm telling you, three days now of just straight miracles, miracles, miracles. Miracles for my people. And if you can move that way just a little more and we'll have more people come in. Yeah. And once you get 
the hand of agreement and prayer laid on you as I pray and as I walk by and lay hands on you. Just take that moment and then go back to your seat and take it with you right back to your seat. And then the next people can fi file in so that we can lay hands on them and pray for them. Because this is what I see when I look at this church. What I see is how do I describe it? How do I describe how much I love coming here? I just see power. I see power. I see so many different kinds of people who just want God to use them. That is powerful to God. So we're going to pray. And Andrew, will you start on that side? I'm going to go to this side. And we're going to pray. And Laura, maybe if you would sing that song. Okay, so then I'm going to Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.